I'm just emptying myself of like my identity, my creative identity, my perspective on hip hop, my perspective on being an artist and refining my future. Cause you know, the, the, the best part about becoming older and celebrating another birthday and another year of life is that your preferences get more specific. Peace, everyone. Welcome to Masters of Ceremony. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, my dear brother and friend, Radimus. This episode was very special for me because Radimus and I have conversations like these all the time, but it's actually very rare that we have a microphone and a camera running to capture it. For those who don't know, Radimus is a hip-hop artist from Brooklyn, New York. He has Dominican ancestry. He's a thought leader and inspiring soul to all of those in the hip-hop community and anyone else who follows him. He's really been such a great source of light, inspiration, support, and guidance for me throughout my life, and I really cherish our friendship. So I'm very grateful to share with you guys today this very special episode. On today's show, we discuss some of Radimiz's earliest memories of hip-hop, the impact growing up in Brooklyn had on his upbringing, how his Dominican and religious background influenced his spiritual perspective on life, the power of siblinghood, educating yourself on the inner workings of the industry, and the practice of forgiveness. I'm really grateful to have him as one of my first guests on the podcast, and I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as mentioned in the last episode as well, tune in after today's episode to learn more about how you can support this new podcast, and also even win a chance to receive a free, limited edition copy of my debut album as a record producer, Fifth Tape. Radimus is on there twice and he kills it every time. So tune into that and speak to you guys soon. Peace. Radimus, welcome to Masters of Ceremony, brother. Yo, thank you, man. I'm grateful to be here, bro. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for enacting this. Oh man. Very dope. Thank you, brother. It's uh it's an honor to have you on this show. Um it's been some time working on it, and uh you were one of the first guests I wanted to bring up here. Yeah, no, I think it's uh it's pivotal that you do it just as like an artist of like multiple disciplines also you know i think um a lot of the times you don't always want to over explain your work about your work you rather just have that to be for like a separate platform like for me i don't know people always tell me like i gotta do more rants and stuff on like social media <laughs> and just like talking but i don't always feel as genuine i feel like it's better when you just do it in an interview and you can just talk and i think with you um you know, I, I wish people would read all the time, and but that's just not how people ingest information. And you can only share so much about your perspective on life and, and the whys and the what's behind things. So yeah. this is like important for you, for of your course. art, obviously, and like, you know, to just expand what your world is. So nah, this is, is a big step. Definitely, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I just want to start basically, I mean, from the jump, mm. from your early upbringing. And uh, I would love for you to kind of give us some insight into just how you were, how you were raised, man, in Brooklyn, in, in your building. Yeah. I you mean, know. you know, I, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Southside, like in Williamsburg, I guess, first off like the Grand Street, um, L train. And I was there for like a couple of years. Like I have memories from like living there still. Yeah. Um, 
like I remember being in the bouncy houses and all that shit. Like you know the rollers that you have to stand like while you're learning to walk. Like I remember that, and I remember I remember the first day we moved into my new into like Best Eye. I remember wow. going to the rooms and everything being empty, and me and my sister went into like our bedroom, and I was like hanging off the closet rail. You know what I mean? Like where you <laughs> hang your shirts. Like I remember nothing being there. What ages were that? I was I was probably like five years old or wow. something like that, four or five years old. Um, and man, yeah, I grew up. I grew up. I mean, I think my parents always did their best to like cloak us from the negativity that just like surrounded us, just off of like where we lived and where we were raised and like their experiences as well. Like they grew up, you know. My father was raised in bodegas. You know what I'm saying? Like the predominantly, that's like how where he worked. And bodegas in the 80s and 90s, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, yeah. and he worked all over, like East New York, Bed-Stuy, whatever the case may be. People getting murdered and shit, like, you yeah. know. So it's like, I feel like they brought it, they, they kept us protected from a lot of that, you know. Um, but our crib was like loving, you know what I mean? Always There was always mm-hmm. some extra family living with us. I mean, it's still project life, you know. And it's still, like, in the 90s, immigrant families. So, like, you know, you're sticking together and figuring it out. But, you know. And as a child, were you around that age, five, six, were you aware of kind of what was going on in the neighborhood? Or were you completely shielded and guarded from, to a certain you know? To a certain extent, yeah. Because, I mean, I still, I still, my like, the public school that I went to was up the block. You know, that's first grade. Yeah. You're still you're you're aware of your neighborhoods. You're aware of like people trying to break into your doors when you're sleeping. You're aware of like um gunshots and seeing dead bodies, you know what I mean? Wow. Like and and police and you know I used to get stopped by the cops young, you know what I mean? Like just <laughs> oh, just for sad like sad and crazy. Yeah, to think just about. for like visiting my friend on the third floor and like coming up the back staircase Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like get stopped by the cops in the staircases and all that shit so like i remember the first time i got stopped by the cops i was like talking like my mom we were talking about it and she was just kind of like letting me know that that had nothing to do with me but Mm. just like where we were from and you know um but yeah no i was definitely aware but there was there was definitely still a barrier because they had their eye over me yeah wow so man that makes me uh think about so many other things I want to ask you because uh, although I've known you for some time now I think it's been about six years yeah it's been a minute yeah mm-hmm. yeah wow it's crazy to think about it doesn't doesn't feel like it's been that long um although I've known you for that long I'm still getting to know you every mm. day especially uh through your music I mean because your music is such a personal endeavor for you it's not only uh an outlet of your expression of, you know, what you're feeling at the time, which it is, mm-hmm. but it's not only that. It yeah. also really tells people where you're from. So I wanted to start with that initial question of speaking about your upbringing a bit because you can hear it in the music so much. And just from you expressing all of that to me, it makes a lot of sense when I listen to your music, why it is the way it is. I can hear that your upbringing your location of where you grew up, the streets, your experiences all have shaped you into who you are today. Yeah. And um, I'm just curious still around that age, you know, maybe later on in years, eight, nine, mm-hmm. 10, 11, as you start to become a teenager, yeah. what was going on in your environment 
and also in hip hop that really sparked your interest into, okay, let me, you know, maybe start writing something, whether it's poetry or if it always was to be a hip hop artist, let us know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for a minute, one of the things that I try to like depict when it comes to my upbringing, when it comes to um, my childhood and like describing it in my music as a whole, not just like line by line every time, but I try to like, it's the good and the bad, you know what I mean? Like um, I have this one line on the Star Children record that I did with Shadow where I like, you know, it was rough in BK younger days, but I smiled surplus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yo, crazy. like it ain't about glorifying just the negative parts and yo, my childhood was tougher than yours or I seen things that were worse than you. Like that's not something worth competing over yeah. or like, you know, you don't get more glory points for having a harder childhood, you know what I'm saying, than someone else. I think for me, it's more so about trying to tell the full picture as much as possible. And I think, I mean, I, I grew up and I always knew I wanted to be an artist, mm. um, but it was more so on the visual tip. Um, drawing, I was always painting. Drawing, painting, okay. yeah. And I mean, I, I was always, I, like I remember seeing, you know, videos of me bugging out to like live bands and shit like that when I was like one years old. And <laughs> I always had instruments around my crib. Like mm -hmm. there was always guitars around or um, accordions, you know, that's yeah. a Dominican instrument, like yeah. a, an accordion. So like I always had an accordion growing up. Wow. Always had like the baby drums at the tamboras, that's, I just, like the baby drums. Um, yeah, music was always around. My father, my father used to play music. We have cousins who like played. And so music was always a part of it. I always knew I wanted to be an artist, counting myself out very early. Um, but I think by the time I got to my early teens, like 11, 12, or whatever the case may be, I guess that's when you start not only like having some kind of formation in your mind about who you are, but your life starts shaping up a little bit more mm, yes. social-wise. Mm -hmm. Like you're in middle school now and... You know, I have a job at this point. Like, I'm, like, packing bags at the grocery, at yeah. the supermarkets and shit. So I have a little bit more decision-making when it comes to my clothes because I can just go buy them myself or my sneakers, even if I'm only spending $30 anyway on sneakers because we ain't got it like that yet. Yeah. Like, But, you know, I remember, like, changing a full pocket full of just dimes and quarters at the end of the day and saving up and stacking like you know so you have to, you start making decisions for yourself as opposed to just information being given to you um and naturally just being around best Style and bushwick that's just like hip-hop was just part of it and i honestly can't recall if anybody around me necessarily inspired me like I don't remember seeing like an older cousin who did yeah. it or somebody on the block or I saw a battle and was like, oh, what's that? Like, now, honestly, I mean, passively, I always listen to music. I was listening to Reasonable Dow in sixth grade and a bunch of other shit. Um, I guess I was just bored one summer. You know what I mean? <laughs> honestly, I think yeah. I was just bored one summer, but I knew to a certain extent, like I was a young kid, but I definitely knew... And I guess everybody says it, but it's true. I felt like a misfit. Like, mm. like I yeah. was 
on some nerd shit. Like I played Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. and I still love all that shit. You know, it's part of your childhood. Yeah, but man. but it but it's like I wasn't scared to talk to girls though. You know what I'm saying? And like I played ball, but I wasn't nice enough to get picked for the real yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, like before school started, like the five on five of all the real players, like I wasn't <laughs> on that game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not the game I got picked for. And you know, I had some kind of fashion sensibility, but my parents were buying me Jordans and Tims yeah. and 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 fresh ups. Like I had to go get the bootleg joints, and you know, I used to wear my ups to the yo. That shit used to I used to super glue the bottom of my soles, and so I wasn't the oh, most fashionable man. kid yeah. either. Nothing. I was never like like I was in a lot of the circles. I was the kid that was at all the lunch tables, but I was never like I never felt like I fit somewhere else, somewhere specifically, you know. And I think music was like an opportunity for me to say something for myself. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm yeah. sure, especially because at that time, and I mean, in hip hop in general, you see so many different styles within this one art form. So as someone who it maybe feels like they're a misfit. Uh, it makes sense that you saw music as a sense and an opportunity to express yourself how you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a, as a young kid, like I remember the documentary coming out in 2005. Mm-hmm. Like I remember people coming yeah. in like that morning, like, Me yo, too, I actually. got the documentary. <laughs> yeah. I remember Speaker Box, like I remember Speaker Box Love Below mm-hmm. coming out and kids in the lunchrooms, like with the real CD, yeah. like the official joint, you know what I'm saying? Going like, home, seeing the videos, all yeah, that. Yeah, you know, uh, like when the blackout happened in in, in New York, mm-hmm. I think it was 2003 or whenever it was, like yeah. I remember watching, I was watching Frontin' by Pharrell and, <laughs> and Jay, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's what cool means. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, I guess I just never had that. And then obviously like in Best Eye too, like, I mean, I have some street sensibility, meaning like I know who's in this gang, who's in that gang. I know what's disrespect. I know what's just yeah. tough love. I yeah, know, you're not naive. And I learned it in the yeah. basketball court. You know what I'm saying? So like growing up, I played ball every morning. You know what I'm saying? It's more specifically in the summers. Like I feel like in the fall, I was more so with my friends and like hanging around. But in the summer times, it was like every day, basically. You know, so that's how I got acquainted with like my neighborhood for real, like playing ball and just going up to all the different courts and whatever the case may be. And that's where I learned like more street shit. But at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't like leaving the court to go jump somebody or now we got to go post up here. And you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, man, I think music, music's made music to me, the fact that I could rap and sneak in a punchline or two here and there made this odd fit, this misfit Radimus like make sense mm-hmm. more, you know, in the mm-hmm. surroundings that I had. That's beautiful, man. And um, <clears throat> you're an artist who has videos still, if people dig deep enough of you rapping early, yeah. you know, young and... Uh, I'm just curious, man, because we all go through it when we're learning a certain craft. Mm-hmm. You go through the stage of either flat out being whack or just finding your way. And uh, in that process, we see so many people give up. So what really pushed you? How did you find the courage and the strength to realize like, yo, this is what I want to do, but I'm, I'm, I kind of know I'm not where I'm at, where I want to be at right now. You know, I think it's always been a measure of me against myself. Mm. Um, like I remember vividly 
my first the first times I started rapping, like how I would tell somebody that I rapped was I would show them my notebook and have them read my <laughs> raps. You know you what I mean? Spit for them? No, I okay. wouldn't do it. Like I remember my boy Miguel. He probably still remembers. I don't know if he'll ever watch this, but like remember one of my homies Miguel and Philippa Skyler. Like that's the thing. A lot of people from my middle school, thankfully, are like still tapped in. Mm-hmm. So like there are people who you could yeah. talk to that are like who've seen the growth from day one. Because <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. where that's when I started. Like sixth grade going to seventh grade. You know what I'm saying? Um. But I remember vividly, like, just showing my raps to people just... I, and I remember incrementally, like, I became one of the main rappers in mm. middle school. Like, just in the in the span of, like, a grade. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, okay, wait. I've never been looked at as, like... Like, I remember the battles happening and me telling people to bet they bread. And, you know what I'm saying? And me winning the money. You know what I mean? And And other people, like, battling. And this is seventh, eighth grade. Like, other people battling... And it's like, it's not like they want the smoke or Radimus, like yeah. not as easy as they want that smoke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if anything, they wanted to like work with me and mm-hmm. like fuck with me. I pressed up my first mixtapes in middle school. Like it was called All About the Benjamins. You know what I mean? Like, and that was me and my man Gio just recording in front of a computer over like just rip beats on the internet, like just like dip set, get them daddy beats and shit like mm-hmm. that. Like, um, but a lot of it was just measuring it against myself, like starting from just showing somebody my raps to being able to memorize a rap to being able to just spit a verse on the spot to being able to battle and yeah. just like have lines in the back of my head and, steps. and bit by bit just having confidence to just turn it on yeah you know what i mean um like my my second rap was better than my first and i, I remember that more than my first rap yeah like i know my first rap was like half of a jadakus rap but i remember my <laughs> second rap being better mm-hmm I remember my third being better than that. And I could I could probably still show you, like, rhyme books somewhere in the crib. Like, yeah. old ones. Because like, yeah. it was just more so battle raps back then. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I was necessarily describing my surroundings, like, with some kind of, like, foresight yeah. or, like, you know, intellectual-based yeah. perspective. But, you know, it was more so, it was it was just that. Like, I could measure myself with this. And and life responded to me mm. in that way, in a go, in a positive, in a reaffirming yeah. way, like just like a little bit of a social ladder climb, just off of being a little a little bit better than the other kid. Yeah. Know? So, so you had other MCs in your school and in yeah. your surroundings, and um, eventually you befriended some of these MCs. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I mean, what I'm talking about is middle school, but then yeah, yeah when you go to high school, yeah, that's you, where as I mean. You got older. That's where I meet Matt Wiz. That's when next year I meet History and King mm-hmm. Critical and all of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Dope, man. Okay. I want to circle back to something else, uh, which is such a defining quality of you. And I think that's your awareness of the importance of having some type of belief system or spirituality. And um, the reason why I want to focus on this right now is because I think it relates directly to your hip hop and to who you are just as a man. So I'm just curious you know, around the same age, you know, when you're in middle school and you're making progress as an artist, what is it that's going on at home or your connection to being Dominican and traveling back and forth to the DR that's (laughs) teaching you things about spirituality and just being in touch with yourself and with your people and where you're from and what was going on in the household? Because when I look at someone like you who is spiritually aware and conscious in a sense of 
I know I'm creating something that is coming from beyond me. I know that it didn't just happen by accident and that there was something in the environment that fostered this type of interest. Yeah, I think it's a process, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I mean, not obvious, but I was raised Catholic, so mm -hmm. you have that as like an entry point right away, just going to church every Sunday, mm -hmm. falling asleep in church, honestly, when you're really young. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just yeah, I know it, man. lay on your mom's lap yeah. at some point and... Um, I remember the first time, like, I, I realized what death was. Mm. Um, and that was, I, I remember it to this day, like, <clears throat> just crying. You know what I mean? Just crying because I thought about my mom my mom dying. Mm. That's the first time I, like, really thought about death. And then I thought about myself dying and whatever. And I remember crying out to my mom, like, yo. I was just wailing, wailing <laughs> really wow. loud, bro. Like, it must have been, like, seven or eight or something yeah. like that. And my mom just assuring me like it's okay it's part of the process i remember yes. the feeling right now of like not understanding yeah. why death is like necessary i went through a very similar experience um, for sure yeah. and then you know i remember like I, I think i've told you personally like the first time i ever meditated was by accident because i thought i was gonna die yeah because i thought my sister had like poisoned my food <laughs> just some silly shit but it was very that wasn't until it wasn't until later on that i realized like for me i think that was the difference between my religious experience and like my spiritual understanding you know my my understanding of like self because even though that even though the scenario of it my sister makes fun of me all the time for like having believed it but the fact that that triggered meditation because what it led me to do was face death honestly at like 10 9 10 years old yeah, like I was young. young like I remember not being in high school I remember not having had sex with a girl, nothing, you know what I mean? And and meditating on everything that I would miss out of life. Um, and I was just at peace. Mm. And, I, and I feel like I haven't felt more peace than that in my life since. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like I haven't just, oh, just whole acceptance of whatever is, is, and that was that was monumental, you know. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, like going, to, I, I did my communion and everything. So like, I went to Sunday school, everything. So there mm -hmm. was always like a lot of, like the actual church going every yeah. single Sunday. My God family is like my close family here in like New York. So like they always had like priests and pastors over on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So like I would see, you know, the the pastor like preach and then see him later at five o'clock at the crib having dinner and blessing the yeah. food for us wow. or like for Thanksgiving and Christmas to this day, honestly, like still priests come over to the crib all the time. And my God family has like a big, a big influence on that as well. Like, I don't know. We, I, I come from, I come from a super church faith believing family, you know, yes. they believe heavily in, in Jesus. They believe heavily in like the Christian religion, the Christian faith, but especially back in DR, but obviously like in here as well, just like practices that deal with understanding the, the vital resources that the earth provides mm -hmm. and, and knowing to respect natural law and knowing to respect herbs and, and, and intentions that you place on actions and, you know, just respecting yeah. the earth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, there's a different level. Like there is, there's religion, but there's also, there's another spiritual aspect to it that through a, being a human being and what's around you, you can enact. Yeah. And it almost transcends whatever the container of the religion 
is yeah. to something to just direct to the spirit. Well, yeah, because people, you can you can call on, you can call on, you can use the word God and Jesus and and these angels in a negative way. You know what of I'm course. saying? And, of course. And yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. Um, you know, I had the the pleasure, the honor to travel to DR with you mm-hmm. and kind of get a deeper insight into some of these things you're you're speaking about, which mirror my upbringing as well, you know, having a Jamaican mother yes. and a Iranian father. Um, how was it, man? You know, taking trips to DR from, from a young age, knowing that, you know, you're living in the projects in Brooklyn, <laughs> <laughs> but then you got this whole other universe down on a beautiful island with cousins and aunts and uncles and a whole nother experience there. How did that shape you as well? It was it was a trip because I didn't find many people to relate to my experience. Not not necessarily for the for the sake of like it's like being in the projects is one thing. Being in Brooklyn is one thing. Being in Bed Stuy is one thing. Being Dominican is one thing. Being surrounded by at least 50% black people. So it's not like you're necessarily having full conversations with people who get you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's like my black friends can accept me and love me. Like, I'm black too, but you know what I mean? Like, of course, of course. But it's like not having the, the, nobody, you can't come back and talk to, like, and they understand what yeah. you're talking about. Like, <laughs> and then going to the Campos in DR, you know, um, it was a trip, man. I mean, I feel like I grew up very aware of like agricultural life. I grew mm-hmm. up very aware of um, making the most with the least. Yes. I grew up very aware of the importance of having like a tight knit family and and just, you know, getting bit the fuck up by mosquitoes yeah. and being burnt by the sun and yeah. getting cut on like wires mm-hmm. because you're like running up hills, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And very opposite lifestyle to the concrete jungle of, of extremely. Brooklyn. And yeah. I feel like and I feel like the biggest thing that it always showed me was just it's a big world out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and I and I knew that my friends here didn't know this world here and my family mm-hmm. here didn't know the world here. And there must be a whole other world that I don't know about too. Yeah. So I think even though I was and still am I guess predominantly stuck in like, you know, it's like most of my time is spent in New York. And if I travel, it's usually been mostly mostly to DR. But I never let those those uh settings limit my horizons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never let those the, I never let that establish like this is all that life is. Because from very early on, I knew that there was multiple worlds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. It was such uh And on a spiritual level, it's just practice so much more given. Mm. Like I think I mean, I guess it's a testament to the country. Like, I, I believe DR is 95% Catholic or yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. So, where here it's more of a taboo, like in the States, yeah. to speak about faith or religion or mention God or yeah. Jesus or pra- spiritual practices is like givens. Yeah. Over there, that's how it is. Yeah. And even in DR, it's very similar to other places in the Caribbean where it's almost mixed with the in- ancient indigenous practices as well of you know certain rituals that kind of go beyond just a catholic understanding and um and you also don't have the pretense of whether you're gonna offend somebody honestly yeah like you know you're not like and i feel like i feel like that has shaped me to 
find my way of speaking about God in my music where if I speak to a spiritual, if I speak with like spiritual content or whatever the case may be, I think it's alleviated like a pretentious feeling it normally carries yes, or a, or a more knowledgeable then mm-hmm. because I, I was raised one on one side, it's a given. So you speak, you speak, Speak about it know. naturally anyway yep. but then on the other side here it's like well you have to also learn how to speak about it so someone else can understand you yeah. and know that you're not offending somebody else and mm-hmm. know that you take their perspective into into your consideration as well as just as true as your perspective you know what i mean so it's like it married both like because in dr like it's nothing for you to talk about witches or talk about spirits or yeah. talk about like i have a cousin who supposedly like as soon as he learned to walk at one, was adopted by people under Earth. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I've heard some of these and stories, man. <laughs> and to this day, yeah. travels that way, and yeah. you can find him. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's like a real person. And, you know, and voodoo and all yeah. of this, like, none of that, none of that is spoken about. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not real. It's not for It's spoken about it like fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah, man, I guess I guess it, it grounded me in open mindedness, but also just like the capacity of like being a human. And- yeah, it's it's so similar in Jamaica. Um, I remember my mother told me a story about. Uh, I was thinking about this actually when I was in DR with you mm. because just this normal acceptance of other realms and other things that are beyond maybe most Westerners' mindsets. Yeah. But um, my mother told me the story about when she was young. She was in the street somewhere in Jamaica. You know, my mom grew up in the countryside in Jamaica. And um, there was this dog in the street. And I don't know if the dog was crying or what, but something attracted her to this dog. And um, she just felt compelled to, like, pick the dog up. It was like a little puppy or something. And her hands went straight through the dog. And all these men at, like, the corner store behind her were hysterically laughing, just, ah, laughing. And she looks, and they go, oh, you don't know? You don't know the duppy dog? The duppy dog? Because in Jamaica, they call ghosts or spirits duppies. Yeah. And they were laughing that my mom had never come in contact with this ghost yeah, dog yeah. before, as if it's so common. normal. Yeah. So common. That's how it was when I went to yeah. uh, Grenada. It's the same thing. Like, yeah. dup- like animals that are just not really animals. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, we spoke about that uh-huh. with the goats and <laughs> yeah, in DR. Bro. Yeah. yeah, well, in DR, yeah. it's, a lot of, it's a lot of like transforming, like witches that just transform yeah. into animals. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and it's, um, I think you have a special skill in translating some of your spiritual beliefs and experiences uh in a more digestible manner because you had a lifestyle and understanding like that in DR, but also, you know, the street smarts, very pragmatic, analytical um, side of just you growing up in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I feel like that comes through in your music. I feel like people who really connect with a lot of your songs and albums understand that you're giving a balanced perspective, whether you're not only speaking to people who grew up in the yeah. projects, Mm-mm. although you're speaking to those people, you're speaking to kids who were maybe growing up in rich neighborhoods in Colorado yeah. or something as well, mm-hmm. because you're speaking to the human experience. Yeah. I think the first time I came across your music, I don't know what song and it was. I don't was. think it was always like that either. I think that yeah. this is like a recent years because mm. I, I'm, I'm more gathered yes. and I'm more aware of like my purpose and my yeah. path, you know? Well, I came across your music um, early before I met you, 
and somewhere I either downloaded a song or somewhere where you described your music, but I think I had a file of the song. You know how on iTunes you can go to the genre yes, yes, and see, yes. and it said travel music. Travel hip hop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Travel hip hop or travel, travel music. Hip-hop, yeah, travel yeah. hip hop. And I remember saying, what? What does that even mean? Yeah. And then I, I think I read an interview or something and um, speak on that a bit of why why you were kind of you know genre-fying your it's music at that Because that still age. exists in my name, like mm. in my email. You know, that's part of like what it is. Um, I wasn't gonna say it, but yeah, uh, you got that's when you start getting, it. bro. I have so many beats from people that I did not ask for beats from, but nonetheless, um, even before, because there's definitely elements of all of this from my first tapes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure even from um, all about the Benjamins. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like my eighth grade mixtape. Yeah, yeah. Some people still have. But even from me and Wiz's first tape, a bunch of songs all the way through. But I always had a sense that I guess my music was not supposed to be for one audience intentionally. But not, but it's like I love the point of pop music, mm. right? Like pop music is intended to just be enjoyable on a universal level, right? But pop also just means famous. And pop also just means popular, obviously. So, like, the derivative of that is popular. So, like, but I've always been interested in, like, how a specific perspective can be so, like, like Snoop Dogg is, like, a world brand. Like, 50 Cent is, like, a world brand. Like, a Kendrick Lamar, a J. Cole, uh, so many, so many hip-hop, Kanye West, like, to me, there's so many examples of artists that are very specific about where they're from, their identity, their motives, their world, their upbringing, and what how they see the future through the, the songs that they release that can be connected to worldwide. And these people have never been to their homes, never met these gangs, never yeah. met, you know what I mean? Never seen the person die, never mm-hmm. seen the drug deal, never seen yep. the bootleg shop. And I guess early on, I was just aware of that. You know what I'm saying? And and I think around the time where I monikered that name, I was like bumping um like most deaf traveling man. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I think I might I may have used travel hip hop before, but I remember. I, I yeah, I think I I used travel hip hop first, but then I remember running into like traveling man with most deaf. And I was like, see, he gets it. I remember yeah. that. Like, yo, he gets <laughs> yep. it. You know what I mean? Like, and most Def, that's part of the reason why he's one of like my favorite artists, because I think he moves as like a gathered art, like a worldly gathered yes. artist. You know what I mean? Like his eyes and his words have moved around. Yeah. So when you speak, it's like you've seen life, you've met people, you've talked, you know? And I just always seen that as like the illest attribute to music. Like, my music is more accessible than me, Mm. you know? And so it's my job to, at least I feel it's my job and it's my responsibility that if you meet me via these songs, that I'm as in there as much as possible because that's the most we're ever going, that's the most the majority of people are ever going to be able to experience me through Mm-hmm. You know what music. I mean, and and I think that that and, and I want people from Cairo to feel seen. I want people yeah. from Compton to feel seen. I want people from DR to feel seen. I want people from Russia and Germany yeah. and Zimbabwe to feel like they met me mm-hmm. because I want to meet you. 
You know what I mean? And yeah. and I think that that's why I, I, I that's why I like last on the travel hip hop thing because I always looked at my music as like world music, yeah, not as like just for my block, you know. Global man, that's yeah. deep, and um, yeah, it's very telling of of your vision to not pigeonhole yourself into you know, but then be specific enough where you know I'm real. Yes, because that's my thing. It's not like. You're not just casting wrote, a wide net. Yeah, nah, yeah. I'm not into like the, you know, so make it, then you gotta win, yeah. and then you gotta live. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you're name dropping people from your hood. Yeah, like I'm mentioning yeah, streets, yeah. I'm mentioning brands, I'm mm-hmm. mentioning people, I'm mentioning incidents, I'm mentioning whatever. Yeah. The, you know, I'm, I'm gonna let you know it's me you're meeting. Yeah. It's not like you're just meeting a person from New York. Like, no, you're meeting me and I'm from New York. So here's like part of that in my story, but that is not the end all be all of who I am because you're more than where you're from. Yeah. Mm. Man, I'm thinking uh it's it's so interesting to have this sit down with you and it was really important for me to make this happen because you know, we have conversations like these all the time. Absolutely. All the time. But um sometimes they're so casual that I learn a lot, but right now I feel like I'm learning a lot about you because you're speaking in a sense in which I know the viewer is getting to know Radim is. So there's little nuances I'm even realizing now, which is it's interesting for me to ponder like, oh, that's, that may be why Rad does this mm. as well. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting experience for me. But coming from a family of being the youngest of uh, four brothers, yeah. And just having my siblings be such an integral part of my life. For some reason, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to ask you today, just from knowing you and the relationship you have with your sister, I want to hear, I think it's an interesting take to hear from you how having, you know, just this one sibling in the household, directly in, Mm -hmm. in, in this household, um, how that impacted your upbringing and, and just your music in general, because I see, I see you guys, your brother and sister, you you and your sister as as a team in so many ways. Yeah, me and my sister, yeah. since we were raised, we always seen it as the Rodriguez dynasty, um, verbatim. Like it's like, yo, we're working on the Rodriguez dynasty. Me and my sister have always felt shared the responsibility to put on the actualization of grandeur. You know, we were raised in a bedroom, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, most people do not know that, you know? So anybody, and anybody who has done that knows how close that makes you to your siblings, (laughs) but especially a brother and sister. Like, that shit is crazy. Very different than even two brothers. Yes, extremely, because there's a space, there's still a space, and there's like, you know, Mm -hmm. but for me and my sister, man, that's like my everything. That's my best friend. That's like my motivational coach. That's Mm -hmm. my biggest fan. That's my toughest critic. That's like, you know, she showed me how to like, be just be a big brother like with that responsibility that kind of carries mm. you know um i feel like if i impress my sister 
if I impress my sister, then anybody can be impressed. But if I don't impress my sister, then there's a part of the world missing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, hugely. Yes, I resonate with that deeply. Like, man. if I impress my sister, I could touch the world. If my sister's le- like, the worst, like, the biggest trick God could play on me is have like a plat like a triple platinum <laughs> single that my sister hates. Yeah. Because yeah. that would that would literally be like yeah. a slighted win. That's like you're letting because us down. If she moment. can't say it, it doesn't matter yeah. as much. It does yeah. it just doesn't. You know what I'm saying? And um growing up, you know, I mean we 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 shared a lot of conversations, man, and just knowledge. You mm-hmm. know, she's she's way more well read than me for mm. like she blows me out the water. Like, people always like, oh, what books are you reading, Rad? Like, yo, my sister blows me out the water. Like, as far as, like, just content and, like, you know, if I read a Kurt Vonnegut book, then she, I put her on. Yeah. But then she might buy the one I didn't mm-hmm. have. So now she's sharing it with me. And, you know, she's the one putting me on to, like, Ta-Nehisi Coates. And, yeah. man, I can't even start to mention, like, anybody who knows my sister, she's a bookworm. So then yeah. we exchange on the informational tip of, like, if there's world views and mm-hmm. politics if there's music obviously like you guys discuss these fashion things. all of yeah. this like when i first started rapping my sister started rapping mm-hmm. like we used to be on like <laughs> online battle forums together like and oh, she used to man. beat people like wow yeah she's such a like a like she's my younger sister but she's such a like a role model yeah you know what i'm saying and such a a unique human being yeah. um and we intend to we intend to mean more than what our surroundings and our past may have dictated us to mean, you know, and um, man, yeah, she's yeah. doing it. Yeah, big time. I want to. I wanted to give a shout out to her, man. And, Yo, um, shout out Rosanna, man. That's my yeah, heart. Yeah, real talk because I know I kill somebody for her for real. Like I know in BIM, I'm like <laughs> I kill somebody for my sister. Yeah, bro. Like, yeah. No, that's real, man. And um, I see it, you know, because I don't know who I would be if it wasn't for my siblings. I mean, that's just honest Mm -hmm, truth. mm -hmm. I don't know what I would like. I don't know what my interests would be. I don't know how I would have grown into who I am without having these siblings in the household with me. And um, even though, you know, it's just you and your sister growing up in the house, I see how much of an impact it had on you. And uh, she's just a beautiful soul, man. Yeah, man. uh, She's tough, man. Like, she's tougher than me. She's, like, more beautiful than me. She's, like... (laughs) She's more talented. I honestly feel like she's an amazing writer. She just doesn't like tap into it. She's just because she's, she's on some money getting shit. Painter. You know what I'm saying? She's I've on some money getting paintings. shit, man. That's why she began her Good. bread and it's like, necessary, man. You know. Um, yeah. Well, it, yeah. It, it it brings me to this um idea that your success is never just attributed to yourself Mm-mm. ever. And whether it's family, friends, try to mentors, like, try to yeah, like think lot, so. A lot of people also and people say in even spiritual, yeah. they like, yo, it's yeah. about you, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, who are you without others? Because we're all one. All of all of, of your decisions impact everyone around you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So speaking on that, you know, when you were in high school and you're starting to meet Madwiz, History, King Critical, you guys kind of start running with each other. Yeah. How important was it to you to not only chase this dream as a solitude figure, but, mm-hmm. you know, chase it with a band of brothers? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the band of us four and then the extended, fa- like the 
the multiple people that that encompassed mm-hmm. really happened after high school. Yeah. I think during high school, me and Wiz ran together and History and Critical ran together. And obviously, like, we all worked with each other yes. throughout those years anyway. But I don't, I mean, thinking about it now, I don't know if I had any songs with Critical during high school. Yeah. I know with History, I used to, like, work with Heavy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But, um... Not for any other reason except for just you're in high school and you're running around. And if you didn't go to after school, after school, if you didn't go to history's crib to record yeah. the same day, then y'all weren't on the same yeah, song. You know yeah, what I mean? That's yeah, just kind of studios yeah. were not the same. Logistical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, history's crib was definitely one of those, like, get nice at history's crib, cribs, because he was one of the only places that had a, a studio we could record at that was, like, a little bit better than audacity at Mad Wiz's crib or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I think I think at least a union between everybody as early as ninth or 10th grade was just, it felt good to sharpen your sword against somebody else's yes, sword. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, um, and I feel like you felt yourself get more talented or you felt yourself bring something else out of your talent and your imagination. And, and it wasn't only what was displayed on wax, but it was also being able to talk to someone who was a fan like you mm. and did like created music, but was also a fan, yes. but also had visions of being, yes. big and also wanted to work to get there and wanted to do something right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was That's a mix at that it's time, a mix, man. bro. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, because there will always be more dreamers than accomplishers. You know what I'm saying? Like the Mm. amount of people that just dream and definitely have the talent and definitely have the vision and definitely have like the perspective and whatever the case may be exists. There's a surplus of that in this world. But I feel like the people to enact that and people and then to surround yourself with like minded individuals in that sense was rare. It was a scarcity. And I think it felt good to just know that that person is crazy, too. This person is dope, too. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I mean, and I, and our high school was small. It was tiny, so it was easy to like, kind of sort through who made sense with yeah, your vibe, you yeah, know? Because there was a course. lot of crews, even though it was a two floor high school with yeah. like, a couple hundred. There's a bunch kids, of different cliques making music. A lot huh? of cliques, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. And you would see cliques pop up all the time. You yeah. know what I mean, but. but. Yeah, so after high school, and um, I guess during college, you went to NYU, yeah. correct? Um. I saw you released, you know, a couple other things and music videos and projects at this point, maybe mixtapes. Yeah. But when you decided to work on Righteous, mm-hmm. what you consider your debut project yeah. at, like, really introducing yourself to, to the world. Yes. Yeah. All my my other music. I mean, you make it with the intention. Yeah. You know, MySpace was yeah, popular, yeah, so it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't possible. Yeah. But you know, yeah. but you knew you wanted to do something different. Let me with Righteous. With this bitch. Let me yeah. mm-hmm. plant my flag. Yeah. And um, you spent how many years on Righteous? Four. Four years. Yeah, so wow. Yeah. Man, when I, uh, when I look back at um, that process, because I think I came in around to the, the process. Around, yeah, 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 which was um, so exciting yeah. for me, you know, because I'm making music with Blank. Mm-hmm. Shout out Blank, who, mm-hmm. who's on Righteous as well. And uh, making music with other homies. But, you know, when I went to college and I met History and History introduced me to you mm-hmm. and Critical and Wiz and then the whole Brooklyn universe opened up to me yeah. being from Long Island. 
to get like a deep insight into your creative process, creating Righteous, working with Chris Conway mm-hmm. and, and working in a big studio while I'm working on my project, that process helped sharpen my vision for what I was doing. Mm. And um, obviously, you know, but I don't know if I've ever... But you're on the project. I, you're on One Crown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I feel like um, as much as it was your project, it was the team's project. Mm-hmm. You know, just from all the production that all the I mean, homies gave yeah, to Yeah, History's I mean. on it. Blank is on it. Yeah. Trey Dollars is on it. Rudy Mills is on yep, it. King Critical, Mad Wiz, yeah, History. The whole squad. Chris Watts, yeah, Kai, yeah, like, yeah. bro, yeah, crazy. What a crazy time in our life, man. OD. Man, I just want you to tell us, man, what does righteous mean to you? I know what it means to you to a certain extent, but throughout the process, the release, and after the release. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't really get to reflect on it, which is crazy because it's not like it happened that long ago. Yeah, but not at all. You know, when you're in a, when you're a creator and you're trying to get it and just move on, like, Shit feels like it's ages ago. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the beginning, the beginning of that process started with me just, a lot of these projects or a lot of moments start with hitting what feels like rock bottom. Mm. And I think that's why I'm always cautious about how you look at negative situations. Yeah. Or I'm always like, I tend to feel them but not judge them. Yes. Uh, I tend to accept them as opposed to pray them away. Yeah. Right? Or just sink too deep into the experience. And then let that turn and... Consume you. Let that breed actions that are anti your progress. Because Mm. Righteous started, you know, when, you know, I had this mixtape, Long Away Home... And I remember one of my, you know, my best friends, Francisco, you know, Francisco, yep. like, Francisco was like, man, like, I remember he was like away at college. He was like, man, you were so sad on that mm. project. And I never made it with that in mind necessarily. Yeah. But I guess I was, you know, and, and I was like sophomore year in college and I just, I was just smoking too much and spending all my money terribly. I'm still got to get better at spending, but like, you know, spending all my money, really wasting my money, yeah. like. Not even I have fun. Like, I get a check from rugby and that shit will be gone, bro, yeah. by midnight. Like, and you were living in the dorms. And I was living in the, I was sleeping on Away floors. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I was sleeping on my friend's floors. That's the thing. I was always still a hustler, man. Like, I always still hustled. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't really making any real strides towards my career. And I was really focused on like NYU and I was getting a lot. That was getting to be a lot because I came from a high school that I was my second graduating class, no AP mm. classes, nothing to NYU. Like, yeah, and not huge. like baby NYU, like real nah, NYU. Real. Like, I'm yeah. in that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, figuring this shit the fuck out. Um, but, you know, at that time, it was just, it felt like I wasn't, even when I was in college, I never, I never intended to be like an academic. Soon, I, as soon as I got out of college, I'm gonna go and have this research job or this marketing gig. Like, nah. Like, I just seen it for what the experience was. So, I just got an epiphany, man. I just got what you call an epiphany. Like, I, I was in a dorm room and I was fucking. I had no friends accessible to me at the time. Like, no girls that I was fucking yeah. with were answering <laughs> the texts. Like, 
There was no parties to go to. Nobody was answering their phones and nothing was interesting on the, on the internet. And I just sat on my bed and I was just like, Rad, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You know? And I, and I felt like this surge of energy from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. You know, like a Pokemon healing ball. And <laughs> I always use that metaphor because that's literally the clearest way like I could think about it. And And I was like, it's time to take this serious. And wow. the first thing I did was... The year prior, for I had a I had a one hour session with my boy Julian, who's half of Goonie Tunes, and mm-hmm. uh, he t- he recorded me at No Mystery Studios, but Chris wasn't there that night, and I recorded a song called Valentine's Day Hotel that was on the Longer Way Home. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember that was like the most serious thing that I've seen thus far, as far as like my own creation, and I was like, Yo, Julian, I I need to go back to this studio. I need to take my music serious. But I wanted, I was very like determined on having him be my engineer. And he was like, man, nah, like Chris Conway there is like, he's the one who you need to talk to. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, I was kind of brushing it off, honestly, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't know who the fuck this person was. Yeah. And then from then it was just history, man. Like that, I know I'm rambling a little bit. No, no, no. It's totally from that point. From that point, me taking my shit serious, I feel like everybody started taking this shit more serious. Yes. Because, you know. A year into that was like the Hot 97 Summer yep. Jam yeah. opening for Kendrick yeah, shit. Yeah, that was my first exposure to you. Seeing, like Righteous seeing was your not, face on the flyer. Yeah, yeah Righteous yeah. was not... Righteous wouldn't have come out three till three years later. Mm-hmm. That was one year into the recording experience. Yeah. One year into me taking it serious. And that was a whole other, you know, shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I started like 2012 spring and... By like that January 2013, I was on some high 97 competition shit and, you know, spiraled from there. And I think you telling the story so it, of... It, 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 it's like the project wouldn't have been real if it didn't encompass all these people. Because yes. me going to the studio and me taking my shit serious, I feel like was bringing the best out of all my friends too. And, yeah. and the people who I was meeting... You know what I mean? Started becoming a very like we all we all were energizing each other off mm-hmm. of the moves that we made. You know? Yeah, well, I think that was a critical story for you to tell regarding Julian bringing you to No Mystery and introducing you to Chris eventually. Mm-hmm. Because um, whenever an artist finds a home a home base mm-hmm. in a studio, at least from my uh, perspective, that's when they become the most grounded and mm-hmm. focused. When they have a dedicated place to work out of, and um, when I started running around with you and going to No Mystery and, mm-hmm. and linking with Chris as well, um, although I was going to school for audio engineering and I was mm-hmm. in music studios all the time, um, just seeing that group collaborative creation gave me so much fuel for mm-hmm. myself. Like, oh, nah, this is what I want. Like, right. it's one of the reasons why I switched engineers halfway through the project, yeah. you know, yeah. with all the respect to the prior engineer, mm-hmm. I realized I needed to lock in in person. I need to be touching the faders. Facts. I need to be laughing with my engineer. And just sharing the conversations. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. gelling and 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 the fact that your engineer, like your mixing engineer is really like your creative director yeah. of the sounds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like they're just making it sound good. Like they're no, making they're all. producing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're producing yeah. the records for real too. Like if you have a great one, you yep. know, at least like Chris is yeah. a great one. So like yeah, there's so many creative decisions that they could make on your behalf that you would never do yeah. in a good way or a bad way. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you should be there for. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, Righteous was a beautiful, beautiful journey that I just feel honored to have had some insight into. 
and uh i could see even for the team yeah yeah for sure i could see even throughout the uh creative process of manifesting righteous throughout that process i could see kind of where your mind was going even for the future Mm -hmm. i could see that um there were certain things that you want to achieve on an album that you knew you'd be able to work on on the next project and that is what led you to nothing changes if Mm -hmm. nothing changes and uh although how long did you spend on that on the recent album nothing changes nothing changes maybe something like that i mean i got i got the new york new york beat i must have gotten it the same month uh, like the next month or something. after righteous drop yeah yeah i might yeah. be i may have gotten yeah. it that april you yeah. know what i'm saying like a, a rough version of it because i remember i remember i had the song won't i that i was listening to at my boy's wedding mm-hmm. the week after like when righteous dropped the week after i was yeah. in florida so i already knew i was working on new music then but then new york new york yeah i must have gotten like in may or something like yeah. that like that summer so yeah like right away and it's interesting because Although nothing changes took, you know, about two and a half years years or so, it felt like um, throughout that process, your laser precision was just a little bit sharper. Yeah. Of course, as you would expect as you grow as an artist, Mm -hmm. but um, just your vision of what you wanted to create and the feeling you wanted to instill within the album seemed to be pretty clear from the onset. And um, what would you say was the initial difference you wanted to make with Nothing Changes compared to Righteous? Well, I mean, I know what Nothing Changes, Nothing Changes is now. But yeah. I'm trying to think like back then. I feel like when I was, when I, when I started working on the music, it felt like, you know, when we were on tour already for like Righteous, like when me and IOD went on the front tour mm-hmm. and I remember it, I remember SOBs that September like playing New York, New York. I remember performing yeah. it. Yeah. I remember performing New York, New York before that, like just like random rooftop yeah. performances with like loaf music and shit mm-hmm. and extra ketchup and I was already playing New York, New York a bunch of times and... um Righteous was made graduate like sophomore year college to and then working at rugby, denim and supply, Mm -hmm. going into polo, going into opening ceremony, transition like and then graduating from college to like not being yeah, in college. Yeah, huge life years changes and, during the, during that time. And yeah, figuring yeah. out what post college life looks like and shaking off the dust of like, oh, if I don't, if the, if the job that I get out of college isn't my dream job, then I don't know what the fuck is going to happen yeah. in my life. Yeah. And all that <laughs> shit, you know? Where I feel like the initial stages of nothing changes, nothing changes was like, I, by the time I started, by the time I finally finished Righteous, and it was out in the world and doing what it's doing, what it's doing. You know, I was on USA Today, and yep. we we're getting a bunch of good looks. You open for Nas off that shit, mm-hmm. like whatever. But um, with that, with this new album, it felt like I, 
this feels like what the real world feels like. Yes. So what the fuck do you have to say to your own life, like through what you create that is going to set you apart? Because now for real, there is no, there is nothing else to like fall back on. Like you only have what you create on and Mm -hmm. the merit that that has and, and what you do with it. You know what I'm saying? And, and with that added responsibility, it felt like, the, I mean, because, you know, I listen to my own music, too. So, like, with Righteous, I feel like the biggest blurb to say about it is this motherfucker has passion in his heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, like, who knows me, though? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Even on a song like Sumner, I'm not talking about Sumner. I'm just talking. I'm, I named it that. And obviously we shot the video there mm-hmm. and but it was more so about the passion that comes from being at these places, from being at this place. You know what I'm saying? God talks to me a lot. It was just dope. And me and Wiz doing death to tennis yeah. and power. It's like yeah. like here's the passion in these yeah. kids. Like now nah, we're fucking here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's undeniable. Not, but it's not yeah. like I'm letting you know who I am. I'm just letting mm-hmm. you know I'm here. Yep. You know what I mean? And for the new album, you know, some of the first songs of Nothing Changes was Seven Digits and New York, New York mm-hmm. and Knuckles and obviously a bunch of songs that didn't make it, but like yes. of the songs that made it. But like even just saying those three, like those are like real joints. You yeah, know what I mean? Like records. that's like yeah. New York, New York is like descriptive, like, mm-hmm. you know, Seven Digits. I mean, that first verse is like Come what on, it man. is, like, yeah. you know. Um, and Knuckles, same shit. It's like, yo, these are records that you could tell I'm just more willing to let you win. You know what I mean? And I felt like if I'm a if I'm a throw another dart, I'm a I'm gonna let you know who I am with this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just seemed like you were more not more grounded than unrighteous, but a little bit more knowing of of what you wanted to achieve. Yeah. And uh, well, I have may- finally released something. Yeah. Yeah. And that you, was the you, other un, thing. you understood yourself more. Yeah, because yeah. you released it. Yeah. Most people are like inhibited by lack of completion to things. Mm. You know what I mean? They are they are held back by not having put something out into the world and finally let it go. Yeah. So they're stuck looking at it forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether that just be an inkling of feeling in your soul. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like Righteous finally being, I'm telling you all these things that were changing throughout, yeah. and I still have the same 11 songs. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still, and it's like I have more songs here and there, but for the most part, that was like what the fuck it was. You know what I mean? So it's like, damn, I've been fucking playing the same shit for like yeah. so long. I finally got a chance to even look where I was at in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that was huge. I I felt um after I dropped the fifth tape, I was like, oh, okay, I know what my boys have yeah, felt like when, they, when they when they release something yeah, yeah. Bro, you got something to yeah, finally just yeah. be like all right that's me here you know what yeah, i mean yeah like, exactly let me move on to something yes but what's crazy to me is that half i don't know if it was halfway i would probably say about halfway through nothing changes mm-hmm. is when you inked the deal with payday yeah it was the right? end of 2017 you had tons of records by the time you bro even, yeah when i played them, yeah. the album i had half the album basically yeah yeah yeah, wow. So how was that tr- transition? A lot of people, you know, I'm sure it varies, but a lot of people sign with a label and then begin working on a project. Yeah. You had your vision kind of already laid out mm-hmm. for the most part. You mm-hmm. had all these records already done mm-hmm. and then you get signed. Yeah. How was that transition of 
oh, do I just continue doing what I do? Or, oh, wow, now the stakes are higher. I got some money behind this. I got some budget behind this. Do I change the vision a bit or do I just stay focused on the path I've been on regardless of being signed? Because sometimes you can see that gets to a lot of artists' heads, you know, and I think you did a great job navigating that transition. So speak on that a bit. Well, I think, you know, one, it's not like I got a million non-refundable advance. You know what I'm saying? My money was super low on the advance tip. I think the biggest thing that we signed for, one, was partnership on some, like, and having a whole other entity support your vision. But it was also not blaming money for not executing your dreams. Mm. Like, I opened up that credit card line so that I can't say I didn't I didn't make all the videos I wanted. Like we about to drop our sixth yeah. video. Probably by the yeah. time this should drop. No, definitely. So like Benzo yeah. will be out. So that means we yeah. did VIM, New York, New York, Save the Youth, Fake Gucci, Know My Name, mm, Benzo. Crazy. <laughs> Six music videos. <laughs> I was thinking and about that. I'm not that talking last about week. no fucking Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I think it's yeah, dope to like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm just hearing. Yeah, but no, real talk. Like videos. No. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's not like I have 50,000 per video either. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. feels good to like, oh, here's here's this, here's this. I'm not going to put, here's this, mm-hmm. but here's this. Like, let's execute. Like, this is what we got, but like, let's make it work, you know? And, um, and I think for me, the biggest thing I was invest, I just knew that off rip, that the biggest thing I was investing in was my artist development. It wasn't, a celebratory feeling like you get a check and buy a crib and you don't have to work for three years because money is there. Like, that's not the kind of deal that I set up for. And even though we were at that time, I was already talking to like majors and and people were like, you know, talking just majors and you already know that comes with bigger money and that, like, I knew I didn't necessarily want to do that because I feel like I would have taken a check and lost my career. Mm. Where that happens to most people. Yeah. Whether they admit it, whether the public even notices or not. I feel like I do because I'm a student of the game. Yes. And I feel like I just have mad empathy. Like sometimes I just get depressed thinking about other artists. Not in yeah. a bad way, but I just feel for their situations and I hope that they're all right. You know what I mean? Um, Because I know it's not easy and the world doesn't give a fuck about us, but the economic world. But yeah. Um. But yeah, so I was just realistic about what I was signing up to in the first yeah. place. And I also knew that it was up to me still. Yes. You know, I wasn't I wasn't in any situation. Like, people talk very black and white about labels, like, signed or unsigned. Like, you know, yeah. like, I put in work, bro. Like, Hugely. I don't not, I'm yes. not out here getting be told what the fuck to do, where yeah. to show up, who to, like... I'm trying to outwork everybody. And if you, and especially if you're a label, I'm trying to make y'all look lazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to make everybody look lazy. Like, I'm not, and if somebody's out working harder than me, now I got to try to, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. cause, and because I fuel off that. Like, yeah. it's like, if you come with a win, like, I'm like, right, I got to come through. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I also knew that. It was like, all right, here's an opportunity to work harder, right? Yeah. Because now you have more hands on, your project and you have more hands involved with your vision and and you also have creative control excuse me you also have creative control over what it is that you're doing and it just felt like the stakes were higher and the platform was bigger but i have more hands involved to execute what i wanted to do in the first place anyway you know what i mean and i just 
I feel uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't like to put the work on somebody else. Yeah. Well, I think that speaks to um just your character as not only an artist but as a man because you see a lot of people get signed and could deal and kind of just lay back and think the machine's going to take care of everything. Man, hell no. And that's not the reality. And I feel like not not an a art, car still yeah. needs you to put the foot on the pedal, bro. Doesn't matter how much that shit drives and the sound system is amazing and the direction yeah, is, how well designed it is you yeah. have to get in that shit and hit start and go and tell it where to like you have to still decide what the fuck is going on and all it is is an amplifier for what you already are it's like how they say like money doesn't change you it just shows you who you are just shows people who they are fame just amplifies everything about you times 10 it's the same shit with any of these situations but I feel like especially with a label more often than not, you know, because may, maybe um, maybe I have the luxury of my work showing. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there are a lot of people out there, you know what I'm saying, bless them if that's their reality. But if they actually work hard and the label is actually with, like, mm. holding them back. But in my, in my honest to gut, like, honest to heart, like, sense, like, 50% of the people out there that complain about labels actually don't work hard. Yeah. They just expected the label to do it for exactly. them. Exactly. And honestly, I don't know. That's just the truth. Yeah. Man, I mean, you're someone who has embodied the... I like to take credit for my losses and my wins. Yes, yes. And not only that, you've really taken it upon yourself to educate yourself when it comes to the music business. And uh, you're probably the most well-versed that I know personally within my circle of creatives and friends who have really, literally taken the time, Mm -hmm. hours and hours of studying you know, percentages, breakdowns, other musicians' deals. Mm-hmm. Also looking at who made mistakes in the game that you could learn from. Mm-hmm. You know, who made beautiful decisions. And that, what mistakes that I made and yeah. what great decisions I made. Yeah. yeah, of course. Why do you think, or maybe not why, but how do you think an artist who wants to educate themselves on the music business in general, deals, labels, where do some people begin? Because I feel like a lot of artists, they feel like they need to pull all of their resources only into creating. Mm-hmm. That they don't have the time. I'm doing yeah. air quotes for those who are listening, yeah, but yeah. the time to, oh, I don't have time to buy this textbook about the music business or look into percentages or how royalties are split or publishing and all this. Yeah. Do you think it's important for every artist to do that? And if so, how do you think is a, a good starting point? I believe it's important for every single artist to know as much about the music industry as your capacity allows. Um, and but I, what I think is more important than knowing about the industry is taking the time out to empower yourself with people who know more than you and have your best interests in mind. Like people skills mm. and gut feeling skills. Yeah. And, and I think even more than that, you know, because the seed, like, it's like the seed of knowledge to me is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a certain level of humbleness you need to have to tell someone you don't know something. Can you explain mm-hmm. it to me? Yes. 
I was just on the phone with an artist a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just like, damn, you want to ask me so much more, but you have a perspective on a us that you're just like holding back, but you just don't want to tell me like you don't got it, like you don't know. But yeah. and I'm trying to like tell them for them, but it's yeah. like, you know. But most of the time we are guarded by the idea that we're supposed to know everything and somehow success means intelligence. And sometimes the shit is just sheer luck. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the right people, were, like the actual right people were around you. Because a lot yeah. of people always have people around them who help them with their careers. Yeah. But sometimes those people are P. Diddy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it just course, is what it is. Like, but I think that's one of the know? biggest gems you just dropped, actually. That, you know, just having people around you who know more than you in certain fields. Yeah. That alone will take some of the pressure off of saying, oh, I got to go home and open this book yeah. and start just having a brother and or a sister ask, or like someone. When yeah. I, like when I first got my deal, man, like I was hitting up mad people with it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, look at this. Yo, what do you think? Like, yo, is trying to set up meetings with people yeah. who like lo- low key just left me on. <laughs> I'm just like, damn, like, yeah. but whatever. But like, you know what I'm saying? But like, but still even then, like outreaching to other artists, like, mm-hmm. Like, yo, can you look over this for me? I'm not familiar. I don't know mm. what this looks like. Is this good to you? You know what I'm saying? Reaching out to other execs that I knew at other labels. Like, these are facts. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Reaching out to other execs, execs at other labels. Like, yo, what do you think about this? Like, like my first proposal. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this, does, does this look good to you? Yeah. You know? And um, I think that that's important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Usually. I think that that's important. But... Like I said, the other thing, the other thing that I think is important is just the willingness to have like communication. Like that was me with like a deal proposal in my hand and deciding to like go through with it. But I think in general, it's just like willingness to have communication. Like, and you never know who can be your educator, and you never know who you never know who needs to who needs who has a gem that's ready to be dropped on you. Because I'm yeah. sure that I could have a gem for somebody on one tip and they could have a money getting scheme or a gem for me yeah. on another. And I feel like I've always improved from that. And I've always tried to foster relationships with like artists or just people in the game outside of just tip for tat exchange. You yes. know what I mean? Like I do a verse for you. You come out for my show. Yeah. Whatever the case, it's like me and LA have always been that way. Like Latasha, me yeah, and Aswin have always been that yep. way. Like a couple of artists, man, that we've always like had a relationship where we just get on the phone sometimes and just chop it up about what the process is looking like for yeah. us. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I feel like that's how I survive. Right? Yeah, I think you've done a fantastic job at forging long term long term relationships. And that- not on some corny shit either. No, like not I'm at not all. out here like Oh, it looks like you have your stats in order. Yeah. Like, can we get on the phone and <laughs> yeah. late, bro? Like, no, yeah. like, I'm talking no, it's like, genuine. like, I'm sure there's a lot of motherfuckers who gener- generally and genuinely just know people trying their best. Yeah. Like, I'm just, and then if you fuck with them, they fuck with you. Yeah. Like, just hit them with, like, yo, what's up? Like, yeah. yo, I think, I, yo, you thought about this? Or like, yo, I like what you did there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you'd be surprised who's willing to, like, have a conversation, you know? Yeah, for like, sure. I'm not telling you to fake your, fake the funk either, you know? Yeah, not at all, man. I see, um, but I don't know everything. I don't know. I don't know the whole world. You don't, but you know what you know. Yeah, I know what I know. Like, cause even when I, I took music business classes when I was at NYU and all that shit and one ear out the yeah. other, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like that shit yeah. was not like I was understanding some of it, but it's not until see this, this is bigger than all of that. Like you have to risk your life. You know what I mean? You got to mm-hmm. put your life on the line, meaning 
you got to put your piece. You got to roll your you gotta roll the dice with some peace. Mm-hmm. You got to roll the dice with like some uncertainty about your future. Yeah. Sometimes you got to roll the dice and know there's a window in the future if case this goes wrong mm. and not lose sight that that if the if the roll goes bad. Yeah. Know from the beginning you had to bet on yourself to make it out because a lot of people pump negative outcomes in life in general. I'm talking I'm talking about the music business in this setting, but in life in general, like yes, a lot of people pump negative occurrences, surroundings, and apply that to why the detriment of like a situation or whatever, but. There's a lot of people who make it out of their dark times. Mm, of course. There are plenty of examples of people who made terrible business decisions, social decisions, creative decisions. Mm-hmm. And by nothing more than the sheer will of like their own determination and I feel like a relationship with God and having the circle around you to like guide you and empower you when you feel down, that they can make a complete 180. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And 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 not only end up better than they thought they were, but also change the his change the past. Yes. Also yes. rewrite what happened. Yes. You know what I Nothing mean? is too far gone. Whatsoever. You can't. You can't. You know what I said. There ain't enough pride to outweigh my dependence on God. Like it's like they also you can't go f- too far where a, a mistake can be undone. I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe you can you can undo mistakes because. You can uh, you can undo the weight that they have on your life. You mm-hmm. can undo the 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 final moment of impact that somebody has. You can undo the the final impression you have on somebody's life. You can undo yeah. all those things, even if you can't take back the action. You know, so well, that's where belief comes in. But I, and I think business, especially the music business and the creative business in general. You know what I'm saying? I don't want anybody giving up. I hate yes. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hate. I, I'm okay with. If you, if sometimes the creative spirit that is God yeah. in the form of like, you know, a poem, whatever the case may be, is only a momentary thing. Yeah. I don't, I'm not out here like, yeah. oh, if you decided to rap when you were 11, you better yeah, keep going yeah, until yeah. you're 70. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, I don't, I don't, don't let the economic world break you, man. Mm. Like, because the world needs to hear you rise from that. Yes. Yeah. I agree completely, man. And I feel like you're in a unique position in your career to help inspire many others who are feeling many of the same things, but just not saying it. And I think your position is unique because you're willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. You're not willing to not say something because it's going to make you look quote unquote weak or uh, unsure about yourself or Mm -hmm. your situation. And I know it's something you you speak on and that we've spoken about together and something I think on a lot of. There's just so many artists who you can see that they have a lot to share that would be of great benefit yeah. to not only their fans and not only to people in the music industry, but just people living life in general. Yeah. In general. And <clears throat> um, a lot simply don't, maybe because they don't want to open up in a certain way, but I feel like it's a blessing that you have this ability and willingness to share what you do know you don't know everything as you said none of us do Mm -hmm. but you're willing to share what you do know and i think that's very special well yeah i think the 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 toughest part 
And that's the thing. I used to really pump a lot of like, I mean, I still believe it to a certain extent, but I used to really pump like, yo, we need our, especially in New York MCs, like you need your OGs who just like have been through it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and still performing and still doing their thing. You know what I mean? Still yeah. pumping their art to like, you know, drop a gem on somebody. Like, mm-hmm. But I realized a lot of them are still scarred by their mistakes. And maybe they haven't healed yet. Maybe they haven't come mm-hmm. to terms with their life yet. Maybe they haven't really sat with God and went through the checklist of everything that is making them feel bad and and wept the tears that they need to. And like, mm-hmm. I, I'm ready. Yeah. Because one of the things that I, I try to do periodically, I can't say daily, weekly, whatever, but periodically... Um, is address and assess where I'm at in my life and assess how I feel about things and assess situations and assess my surroundings and assess my relationships mm-hmm. and and what my intended near future looks like and what my intended far future looks yeah. like and and what I'm doing about it mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying um I could imagine I could imagine like a lot of the people sometimes we want to drop those gems left a lot of money on the table that they didn't mm-hmm. know or you know what I mean? And like there's regret there. Like a lot of regret. Mm. There's a lot of regret there. There's a lot yeah. of... Because it's the same thing as the Instagram and social media is like... We are naturally inclined to promote the good things, the highlights of our lives because nobody wants to go on Instagram and see you talking about how bad your day was today and how good your day was the next... It's like that shit is exhausting because people have their own lives and their own level of silence that they're maintaining on purpose like Mm -hmm. they're not posting all the other days because life isn't that interesting at that point or like the feelings that they're feeling aren't really worth sharing or they haven't found a great way or a comical spin on how to flip it (laughs) and you know what i mean like so for me i pardon those people where i feel like i used to have like animosity to them not anybody specifically but just in general Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because maybe they fucked up and they still haven't accepted forgiven themselves you know what i'm saying or or somebody who forgot my name or yeah. slighted my name in the past. Like maybe when I told you what I felt like telling you or when whatever the issue was, maybe when I hit you up, you your parent was sick. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you know what I mean? Simply, maybe maybe yeah. your job was on the line when I was hitting you up about a block. Cause I, mm-hmm. I know now I had yeah. a I had a whole directory of fucking I don't think anybody works. Yeah. I used to email <laughs> a thousand mm-hmm. emails a song drop. Like yep. maybe that person was actually maybe it's not fuck blogs. Maybe that person was trying to hold on to their job. Yeah. It had nothing to do with my song with a mm-hmm. hundred plays that day. You know what I'm saying? So I've learned to like forgive the world or more so like forgive these false enemies that I've had and, and these experiences that I've had and negative energy that I've built up. I feel like I'm doing it now just even talking about it. Yeah. Um and in general, like I feel so I feel like that's why I speak. You know what I'm saying? Because I try to assess and I try to take the other person's life into consideration. And I know how many, how often, man, like, and like a numerous amount of times where somebody speaking spoke for me. You mm. know what I mean? So Big I try, time. I try to channel the thing that is hard for me to put into words because I know how many times somebody's done it for me. Yeah. Know? Likewise, it's one of the biggest inspirations behind Masters of Ceremony. Yeah. Because um, I know that on this platform, we can have discussions that, can impact the lives directly of those who are listening. Yeah. And um, especially if you fuck with me, like this yeah, is how easily. you want to hear me talk. Like yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, for sure, man. So what's next? 
you know, I know some of what's next. I mean, you still got some new music to play me, maybe, maybe afterwards. But uh, yeah, I'll play some new yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's uh, what's the plan, man? Twenty twenty, right now. I know you're working on the next project. Yeah, but, um, definitely working on along? this next project. How's it coming along? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm. Um, I have a lot of music. Yeah. I feel like during um, Christmas... You've been in good creation mode the yo, past couple months, I've been making months, a lot man. of shit, I know. bro. I know. Um, I'm sure it makes more sense than I think it does right now. My, 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 oh, my big thing is always like, I know that this next one isn't a nothing changes, nothing changes for sure. It's like, if you thought you were going to get like, Radimus and here's my diary part two like that's not you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean like yeah. that's just not what this next project is um I'm learning it I'm learning it I know it's real though because because the majority of like the majority of it was made in the paperwork and release prepping of nothing changes so mm -hmm. it's so it's like I was already making music separate from this last body of work yes um so that makes me feel good but I'm definitely taking more of a, I feel like the focus is more on the feeling of the songs as opposed to the lyrical cohesiveness the music has. I feel like it's more so, I want this body. And I guess me and you spoke about that earlier in the process when I only had like two, three songs. I have mass songs now. Yeah. Um, but I remember the first the first understanding that I had was like, I want it to feel like a thing. I want yeah. I want this one project mm -hmm. to feel like a cohesive thing. Like, yo, that's the, this album. So, like, it may be the Baduism for an Erica Badu fan. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I mean, hopefully, it's as dope as that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not say. Yeah. But you know, but you know what I mean of though. Course, like, if you're saying you're playing Baduism by Erica Badu, that's like specifically you know. yes. that. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that's just dope for my discography to have because mm -hmm. I feel like Righteous and Nothing Changes, even though they're cohesive in their own ways, Nothing Changes is is like Righteous is cohesive in its like, uh, like visions of grandeur and passion and Nothing Changes is cohesive of the storytelling and like the, the autobiography and the narrative. I want something to be cohesive in a sound yeah. way, like more more so than the other projects yeah. I feel. Um, beautiful man so focused on feeling but then you know we still rolling out this album like I don't believe in I don't believe an album rollout ever stops yeah that's one of my yeah that's something you've continue, continually re reiterated to me for yeah, sure I don't believe I, especially not an album like a nothing changes like mm -hmm. I don't believe that shit ever stops so yeah. I feel like we're gonna keep pumping it like that's the thing like Righteous Righteous hasn't stopped coming out because what happens when all the footage from that gets yeah. unearthed, and yeah. now it's like this recontextualization yeah. of of music and creation yeah. that has to be taken into consideration. Where the internet makes it feel like there's so much, so there's not enough. There's not enough people yeah. with attention spans to focus on it, and in part that is true, but stop underestimating life. Yes, and and not you know? to cut you off, one of the biggest gems you ever dropped to me was um, how many of your favorite albums did you listen to on the first day it came out or the first week, first month, first year. Always say that. Cause it's true. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Even albums present day, mm -hmm. like there's albums that came out two, three, four, five years ago that we probably still haven't tapped yeah. in and like really like just sat there and, yeah. and bumped in and it could be some of our favorites. Yeah. There's some albums that I've been listening to the past two weeks that came out in the early two thousands that I can say 
maybe are in my top 20 favorite it's albums crazy. of all time. Like yeah, crazy. You like, know what I mean? Like came out 20 years ago. So I think it's yeah. up to like our responsibility. And I'm going to just speak for myself in this case, but I, I, I believe our, but like my responsibility and my, my showing of affection to like my creations are to keep living and keep putting out and keep being in the world and keep expanding what encompasses the creative world and the expression yeah. of Radimus because that that get that raises the significance of everything else. You know, it's like us looking at Contact High, like the book. Mm-hmm. Like, what if Biggie never did anything after yeah. his first freestyle? Yeah. Like that photo shoot would have meant nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? What if Nas never dropped Illmatic? Yeah. The photo wouldn't have mattered that Nas matter. is next to Pop. It yeah. would have just been Pop. Mm-hmm. So like, mm. you know, yeah. it's like our continuation. It's like live, love ASAP. Like if it ends on ASAP Rocky, like what if that was his highlight? Yeah. That would not be at the end of the book. It yeah. wouldn't have been included, mm-hmm. but you kept going. Mm-hmm. So now the past means more. It's the same thing. We change our past and our history all the time. And I'm a firm believer in that. Like, so just keep creating, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, for the, yeah, we're going to keep rolling out. Nothing changes. You know, we got the book dropping. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We got the book dropping, which is going to be like crazy. I'm waiting for like the, the quote any day now, but it's submitted. Mm-hmm. You know Beautiful. what I'm saying? The, the, the book, the accompanying. It's it amazing saying, what I've seen so far. Oh man. man the I, book I can is, show you the, I can show you the PDF. It's one of a kind. Yeah, I mean, the people sure. are going to see it, man, when it's out and ready. Um, But like, we got the book dropping. We got this next project dropping and. You got the Times Square ad. You got the Times Square ad popping crazy. right now. It's crazy on 42nd oh, Street. What a beautiful experience. We got that some was. films coming. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. We got some films coming. Yeah, a lot coming, man. And I believe, I believe, I don't, I'm also in a place, I think, because, I mean, I'm talking to you, so I could just chill. I don't of care. Of course. Um, especially like sitting, being sat on my ass for like the last two days just because mm. of the cold just yeah. fucked me yeah, up. Yeah. I'm also in a place right now where I'm just, Reevaluating the future, and it feels like a nothing changes if nothing changes for real. Like, mm. so I'm on some, I've already started changing a lot, yeah. you know what I mean? As far as like, do I want that to be part of my future? Or like, man, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm cleaning my slate, and it, it's not, it. Depression is like the immature word. Mm-hmm. It's more so like clean slate. Like it feels like nothingness. Like there's a nothingness that I'm building again. Mm. It's like the soil when it's not fertile for to yeah. grow anything. Yeah. And meditation they call it emptying yourself in Buddhism. And that's what I feel yeah. like I'm doing right now. Like I'm on some, I'm just emptying myself of like my identity, my creative identity, my perspective on hip hop, my perspective on being an artist and refining my future because you know the 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 best part about becoming older and celebrating another birthday and another year of life is that your preferences get more specific Mm. and i always thought that was so powerful yeah such a great you know when you dream when you're 11 12 you have no grasp on like everything is possible in life, but you have no grasp on just like, you know, adult responsibilities yeah. and having a girl <laughs> yeah, and having yeah. to pay your phone bill. And yeah. sometimes all your bills come at once. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the money is coming in crazy. And sometimes, oh, damn, like when's the next check coming? Like, you don't 
think about the process it takes to finish and release something like all of that you know what i mean so i feel like i'm at a place right now where i'm just like like real life is like setting in where i'm like emptying myself and creating and becoming more specific about what i want my future to look like you know as a as an mc as a creator on like multiple levels but just more importantly as like a human being mm-hmm. and like and making sure my conversations with God are like more specific and just better, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful to hear, brother. Crazy. Man, I'm looking forward to see what's coming from you in the future. I hope it's good. And um just want to wrap up with some short questions. You can kind of run through them quickly if you Word. like. Uh I want to spread some love, you know. Shout out spread to shout out to my homegirl, Justina Love. She has a segment called Spread Love on yes. the Big Bang show we do. But I want to spread some love right now. I want you to shout out two or three people, creatives that you currently are supporting and interested in personally it could be a rapper it could be an artist it could be whoever damn it's crazy i don't know if i'm supporting anybody like that like well don't gotta you could be supporting just uh, by listening you know joe rogan okay i feel like <laughs> i wasn't I'm a, expecting that but okay don't. i feel like i've been tapping into like Respect a, a lot i've been rogan, tapping man. into like joe rogan conversations yeah mm-hmm. for sure for sure I just one of my like, biggest inspirations in doing this yeah i mean show love to joe rogan bro yeah. i feel like i um i'm understanding his platform much better you know what i'm saying just like my man is on unfiltered conversation, almost fourteen hundred episodes. Yeah, nah, that's insane. Come bro. on, man. And I feel <laughs> and, and 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 his style is so conversational. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm. And obviously, it's a conversation because it's a podcast. But I mean, like, it the the big themes will get broken down yeah. to just like a homie topping it up. Yeah. So it's like. Like, like he, I understood Elon Musk, and I understood yeah. like what the fuck they're talking about. Like, I get how yeah. like we're basically cyborgs now and all that shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Through Joe Rogan, you so. know he has the biggest media platform on the planet. Who? Joe Rogan. Nah. Yeah, his views are crazy. For real? Like, yeah, if if someone if someone goes on Joe Rogan, they're gonna be seen more than if they go on CNN or MSNBC. Wow, that's amazing. Or, like, really? I mean, you can look into the numbers. Wow. I mean, that's it's a crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Joe Rogan, bro. Yeah, right up. Gotta meet you soon. You got another one first? Um, yeah, Will Smith. Yes. Definitely Will Smith. Yep. I feel like Will Smith is just I gotta show love to him, man. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's one of my life inspirations, meaning I I I feel like he he has the sensibilities of vulnerability and aging and just being aware of constant change and challenge and all of that that has inspired me throughout the years to just continuously break out of my own box. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Dope. and become who it is that I gotta be. And um That's good right there. And man. yeah, nah, and, and the office. The show The, the office. office. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I'm shot I'm gonna show Yo, love to the office, came through bro. with the craziest <laughs> inspirations just now. Yeah, I gotta shout out Joe the Rogan, office. Will Smith and the office. office. Yeah, That's the fire, office man. is a really good show, man. I feel like um Dope. Yeah, me and my girl watch it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm rewatching the wire right now. I gotta so watch it. Go- I never watched it. Oh man, yeah. uh, I, I I hope the people in the comments go crazy <laughs> right now because know, you got, got you to. gotta watch I the know wire. I, have man. To. I will. Okay, what is um, what is something that you would consider a ceremony in your everyday life, or something you do every day to really either inspire you, ground you, self care, a ritual, something Simple. that you try I to do. I just thank God that I'm alive. Mm. Um, every I tr- day I try to do it every day. I try yes. to do it when I'm when I wake up. Sometimes I don't remember until I fall asleep, mm-hmm. but until I'm about to go to sleep, but I do it every single day. I like, thank you, God, for being alive. Uh, I thank 
I'm always like, thank you for my parents. Thank you for my girl. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my career. Thank you for my blessings. Mm -hmm. Thank you for my opportunities. Thank you for my creativity. Thank you for my passion. Thank you for the things that aren't going well. You know, show me what it is that I have to do. Show like, show me the decisions. Show me what my next phase of my life is. Give me power. Give me enthusiasm. Like I do that basically every single yeah. day. So like simple, kind of like what I was saying yeah, just now. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. simple but so effective and yeah, profound. Yeah, and, I, and I, I obviously sometimes I get more specific. Yeah, and I'm, that's what I mean by learning to get more specific. Mm -hmm. Like, like yo, this specific situation is yes. in the hands. Like, is in mm -hmm. my hands. Like. Settle me, you know what I mean, yeah. and then so and, and I put my life in your hands, and yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, every single day, at least, thank you, thank you for, thank you for waking me up, thank yeah. you for life. And the power of being specific is is powerful and important because I had an elder once teach me that if you pray, yes, it's good to you know speak generally, of course, good health for my parents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, to pray a focused arrow, as this elder taught me, um is extremely effective because you're telling spirit, you're telling God precisely this is what's going on. This is what's important to me. Mm. This is what is on the highest priority in my life in this moment. So to become more specific, I think, is a, is a mature way of, of, of praying and also being aware and honest with yourself of, okay, let's get down to business. What right, do I right. really need to focus on in yeah. life? So that's beautiful, man. Okay, last. Um, what is an area of your life that you're trying to uh, master right now? I think we just said it. Yeah. Uh, if I if I say something else, I've been um. Well, one one is like I've I haven't drank whole milk in like two percent. Wow. Milk in like okay. Months. So you get you slowing down the dairy. Yeah, That's months, huge, man. Months. Like it's been it's Congrats. been it's been a long. <laughs> the most I do is like half and half now, but I don't even want to do half and half. Like I've been doing yeah. like if you don't have almond milk or something like you gotta mm -hmm. I'ma just drink my coffee black but I've been uh I just have this other routine that I'll tell you about mm -hmm. later that yeah, yeah, I've recently sure. like cause I, I, I realized the importance of sacrifices like mm -hmm. I spoke like it's not sacrifices don't mean that there's a finite amount in this world and you have to leverage one to get another um and Jordan Peterson's like breakdown of the bible really like mm. helped Powerful series. We changed my perspective on like the Bible and just like what certain mm -hmm. stories we're speaking to. You know, I just got a Bible for Christmas too. Like. Yeah. Yeah, you told me. But um not because of Jordan Peterson, but like <laughs> I guess maybe in a way because I was but nonetheless. Yeah. Um but he was just talking about like sacrifices is is essential in life. Like where there is a finite amount of what you can do today. Yes. And there's a finite amount of what you can exert energy on today. And and part of the human part of human evolution is learning tomorrow you will need food too. Mm -hmm. So let's not eat it all today. Yep, and of course. Let's not dispose of the animal because one day it'll get cold. So we're gonna need this fur and and I think that there is a there is a certain level of like you know on our, on in the evolution of human being we learn to think about tomorrow yep. and we learn to think about the future and we learn to think about the near future or the distant future and and even when they don't correlate what you're sacrificing to what it is that you're working to attain the fact that your intention is planted in that having yes. a specific result in this um, 
makes it a fact and and disciplines you in a certain level because now you don't need instant gratification for your decisions yeah. you have you have the discipline and the respect for your full life mm-hmm. to hold out for what's going to make you most happy you yeah know? and then making my music and the way i release it you know it's the same thing like i try to prioritize to complete from my one to ten my one to three more than my four to ten mm. because my one to three are actually the ones that bring me the most joy yeah so i've been yeah beautiful man radimus Yo, thank, thank you my you, bro. brother fifth god appreciate Yo. you man this is a great name too i told you masters mm. of ceremony thank you man it came Amazing, it came very naturally and uh i've explained it a bit already but I'll continue to, you know, it's like the same thing with the name Fifth God. Yeah. I mean, it kind of just came without much meaning. And over the years, it uh, just, it makes so much oh sense. my gosh, it, it compounded so and compounded. Bro. So well, thank you, I wish you, you man. success. Uh, I'm going to bless this podcast. I'm going to bless this route. And you know what I mean? I want to give you blessings that this opens up chapters in your life that you didn't even think about mm. in a positive way, in a pure way, and that you're able to help not only the guests that you bring onto the show, but listeners that don't comment mm-hmm. on YouTube, don't DM you, don't tell you in person, just people who this Thursday evening or this Sunday afternoon or whatever mm. the case may be, they stumbled upon part of your conversations and it helped them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So bless them and make your money, bro. You know what I mean? Thank you, brother. God Blessings bless. to you right as well. My G. Love. Peace. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please take another moment to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Instagram at The Masters of Ceremony. We really appreciate your support. And I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who's been supporting me on this new journey of mine thus far. All of the prayers and blessings and ratings and reviews and feedback and laughs has been uh, very motivational for me. So thank you guys for that. And also, for those interested in the offer that I made at the beginning of this podcast, I'll be giving away one free, limited edition vinyl of my debut album as a record producer, The Fifth Tape. Radimus is on there, and a bunch of other close friends of mine, and also a bunch of people in the game who I consider legends. To win one of these limited edition vinyls, all you need to do is leave a review under the Apple Podcast Masters of Ceremony page, or subscribe to our newsletter via fifthgod.com slash mastersofceremony. Looking forward to choosing a winner, and I will see you all very soon. Peace.